This is the Oil and Gas Startups Podcast, where we showcase emerging technology and the stories of industry founders, investors, and leaders with your hosts, Jake Corley and Colin McClelland. I got a couple of uh, uh, my friends on the podcast today from Conduit Power. We got Ben and Travis. My guys, what's going on? Travis, hey. we've known each other for yeah. a few years now. Yeah. Since 2020. Yeah. It, yeah. I think we, we were both getting started on different ventures at the same time. Yours, yours yeah. took off. Yeah. Well, that's what's funny is yeah. like when we actually met, you know, we we're just working on completely different things than right. what we're doing now. And so it's been kind of funny to see that come. F- fun journey. I love fellow <laughs> fellow travelers in the entrepreneurial yeah. space. Yeah, absolutely. So I uh, appreciate you guys coming on. Uh, Conduit Power, just real quick, give me the, the, the two-minute pitch on what you guys are. So we take stranded flared gas and convert it to power and give the benefit of those that power uplift uh, to EMP producers. Cool. Um, power producers are... are a, a, EMP producers are experiencing low gas prices. We're able to take low gas price with high high power prices and volatility and capture that value and align with them to pass that value back to them. Interesting. So are you, I don't want to get too in the weeds here yet, but are you guys um, offering uh, nat gas turbines, um, the actual equipment and operating them? Is that? Yeah, we, we do. We do full turnkey. So we're, uh, you know, full EPC. We build, build, design, build, operate. Uh, manage dispatch into ERCOT uh, for for the for the producer. So cool. we, you can think of us as the independent power producer for a for an EMP producer. Cool. Now this will be a good conversation. Um, you know, it's just this has been a topic um, that's just been growing over the last couple of years. And you know, I have a lot of friends that are into distributed energy yep. resources and things of this nature. Yeah. And so it's, it's a fun market. It's always a it's a fun topic. Always, yeah. and it's just continuously evolving, right? And so. Real quick, tell me about y'all's backgrounds. Um, Travis, I know a little bit about yours. Ben, I don't know as much about yours, but yeah, um, just tell me like y'all's life story and, and sure. where y'all come from. Yeah, so uh, you know, coming out of undergrad, I went into the merchant energy space. So back, you know, twenty years ago, this was when the Enron, El Paso's, Dynagy's were out there uh, trying to build assets, uh, power plants, for, for example, to operate those as merchant facilities, breaking up PPAs. Uh, that's kind of where I cut my teeth. And I've always had that in the, the back of my mind on, on all ventures. It's how do you take physical assets with disparate co- commodities and find optionality between those commodities and how do you capture that value? Yeah. Um, coming out of the, the blow up of the merchant energy space, I went into investment banking, did my stint there, did my private equity stint, um, uh, ended up joining as a CFO for an upstream oil and gas company where it was really my first exposure, uh, to the upstream space. And it yeah. really gave me a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of insight onto some of the opportunities and the problems the EMP producers face. And one of those is power. So, yeah. you know, power is so critical to the operations of EMP, uh, for an EMP producer, but it's also kind of a, kind of an ugly stepchild. It's just assumed you, you go develop an area and connect power, uh, and the utility shows up with the delivered power. But yeah, you know, my experience in doing that is, you know, power doesn't always show up and the power quality of it's pretty disparate. And so, um, Coming Which is out of, an interesting point because yeah. I mean that's something I didn't appreciate a few years ago was the quality yeah. of that power as well is super yep. important, especially you know with things like uh, ESPs and exactly and of this nature. And that that's actually one you know one of my the experiences that kind of fed into the conduit story is we were developing an asset and you know uh, lift on ESP and ESP kept going down because we had power quality issues, voltage sags, major major issue, and so you know when we you know 
coming out of coming out of the experience in upstream started my first venture is about the time I, I met you um, uh, developing an investment vehicle around upstream and capturing optionality in undrilled locations. But really wanted to see, leave, leaving that business, one solid disconnect between what we're seeing on gas prices and with flaring being a major issue, the methane penalty was kind of in the air uh, yeah. coming down the pipe. And we're seeing with the influx of renewables, uh, you know, wind and solar coming in, what it was doing to the grid and volatility pricing. And so really trying to figure out how do we take this experience on the merchant side? How do you take the, ex the experience on what the EMP producer is facing on power quality, what we're seeing on the power market side, and combining those into a thesis? And that's yeah. where it led me to the conduit. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Ben? No, I, I appreciate all the perspective Travis gave on conduit. I'm uh, right now working for Travis directly on business development for conduit. And I'd say, uh, characterized my last few years of career as uh, focused on energy transition related businesses and especially at the earlier stage where we're seeing uh, adoption of new technology, but a real need for innovative business models and financing structures that get technologies like this to scale. Um, I would say conduit in a sense is a little bit more of something more traditional I've worked on because before uh, worked for solar, worked for solar and wind developers, worked on the battery energy storage side of things. I've worked for an EV transition business on the biz dev side, but now uh, just exciting to take more familiar technology and deploy it in a creative way yeah. where you're really just looking at, uh, you know, the piece, the bits and pieces of which EMP and midstream, et cetera, that they're familiar with, but we can deploy it in a way that actually uh, creates a lot of value in the field. So, yeah, you know, when I started kind of learning more about this, this topic and this um, nuance in the industry was, you know, several years ago when Bitcoin miners were yeah. look, really looking for cheap electricity and coming over here from China. And I started realizing like, yeah, you know, you have all the stranded gas. It's like, but also it's like these EMPs have these substations yeah. and they understand, you know, um, you know, how to access cheap electricity and mm. things of this nature. And I started realizing, I was like, oh, there's actually this entire ecosystem. ecosystem. Yeah, right. And and I found that to be kind of yep. um, eye-opening. And I know I actually have podcasts. Um, you guys would appreciate this. You can go back a couple of years. And I was like, yeah, someday I was like, you know, I think that you'll have oil and gas companies that are using that gas yep. to build power plants out on location. And they're <laughs> yep. selling. He had the yeah. crystal ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so. We didn't want to admit it, but that's where we got our idea. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's it. Exactly. It wouldn't be the first time someone's yeah. got an idea. We came up with it ourselves. Take the idea. Yeah, take, take <laughs> yeah, exactly. the ideas. Uh, but I, I always just found that fascinating. Um, and especially, you know, I have this whole thesis that, um, you know, there's going to be the onshoring of manufacturing and they're going to come co-locate where there's yep. high energy density. And so it's like, hey, yeah, you know, you can put um, electricity back into the grid through ERCOT or you start building these microgrids out right. in, in remote locations. So, mm. you know, it's a pretty interesting concept. Um, and the first time I saw one of these turbines, I went out to, I recorded a piece of content with EUT several years ago mm. and they were using it for their EFRACs. And yeah. that's when I just like started, I was like, damn, dude, you can use these as like mobile peaker plants, you know, exactly. and just like right. put them out. Well, I mean, that's, so. that's what was fascinating to me. I mean, my, you know, going, bridging the gap from when I started in the power space 20 years ago to where we are today, just how technology has improved across, across the board. So when you're talking about peaker yeah. plants back 20 years ago, you're talking about 14,000 plus heat rate. Yeah. You're talking about now you run a gas recip at 8,500 heat rate or, or below. Yeah. And so when you get to those points, you're saying that you can actually have efficient deployment of small mm. scale generation that can capture value at a tractor rate and compete with best technology. And it's very, yeah, it's very dispatchable and mobile. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, 
you know, like with these, and I know I'm going to like dumb this down a little bit. It's not this, this simple, but it's like, essentially, you know, you have a turbine that you bring out on a, yeah. on a trailer and, and it's very mobilized. Right. Whereas a peaker plant, like yeah. huge CapEx, it, huge project. CapEx, you're stuck at that, that interconnection point, interconnection queues and ERCOT are extremely long for transmission yeah. level mm. yeah. generation for dis- distribution level, which is where we play. Uh, yeah. You know, so we design these and you know we're using gas recips for our main thermal uh, our main thermal technology we use batteries to combine with that to participate in both thermal or energy and ancillary services i wish to talk about that because you know i recorded this so you'll find this funny but um when uh oh what was the hurricane that hit new orleans a couple years ago um was it ida yeah i think so i I lose track of them now there's yeah anyways um you know flooded uh new orleans um that was actually the wind damage that was really bad but i'd sent out a tweet that went viral because you saw all these videos like the cajun navy and shit bringing down like diesel generators i was like (laughs) i don't see any uh solar panels mean shit (laughs) that's right uh, exactly someone yeah someone's actually there's a nonprofit that's headed down there that has these solar trailers and i was like you know what i was like put me in contact with them i said i'm gonna go down there and i'm gonna help them set up these solar stations and blog it i was like i'm willing to Mm. hear it out and then anyways when i was talking to the founder of that he's like we're just talking about battery technology and he's like one thing he's like i think is really important he's like it doesn't matter what your what source of energy you're using to charge batteries he's like batteries are the future he's like even you look at like diesel generators they're uh, they're efficient at 80 percent load he's yeah. like and so it's yeah. not efficient just to have generators sitting there running he's like you need batteries to charge them that way you can be more efficient across yeah the the, the whole process yeah and so i think that that's an interesting thing to talk about is utilizing batteries along with nat gas turbines and then the business model of you know ancillary services with Earth yeah it, of, and this goes back to the ecosystem idea right that mm. there's not one size fits all like a lot gets lost in the noise of what's you know what's green what's not what's energy transition, what's not, you know, we're, we're definitely not against wind and solar. We think mm. wind and solar is a great energy you know, is energy, energy is energy. And yeah. that, that has a place, but it does create a chain. It, it fundamentally changes how the, the grid yeah. acts. And so for all megawatts, all capacity put on through wind and solar, wind doesn't, we know wind doesn't blow all the time. We know the sun doesn't shine all the time. So you need a form of dispatchable power mm-hmm. that can meet that mm-hmm. need. And so know the transition fuel that we see is natural gas that's the main backbone for dispatchable power well how does battery fit into it and there's lots of it then there's lots of it and especially we start talking about the concentration associated gas in the permian and and concentration of wind and in in the permian area or lz west uh but you need dispatchable power you know you need that and where does battery fit into the equation well it fits in a couple places like Battery itself is you know it can be both considered a form of storage and a limited form of generation yeah, uh, but it, its primary function it also provides a substantial amount of grid stability. So those ESB stripping and the voltage yeah. sags, that's primarily driven by the ability for a battery being able to supplement the grid and maintain voltage. Uh, I think it's interesting. Like anyone that talks about batteries, you get a different answer on how it's categorized. Yeah, exactly. Always. Yeah. You made a but, comment about it being yeah. like it generates power. I'm like, no, it doesn't generate power. <laughs> it, doesn't. it stores power. It stores power. Yeah. And, and that's it what can it, gets, it, it can, but very little limited basis. I mean, you're looking at one hour, two hour yeah, battery yeah, you know, yeah. dispatch. And so, you know, even with like the influx of battery in there and charging overnight with low cost wind and, you know, low cost wind overnight and solar when it's shining, it still doesn't provide that dispatchable power need. Yeah. And what yeah. we saw is, you know, again, you, you have a major shortage in ERCOT for dispatchable power. I mean, we're mm-hmm. short. 
Like when you look at like some of the peak components, we were short up to 18 gigawatts of yeah. dispatch power. You need that. That's not yeah. going to be solved by battery. That's not yeah. going to be solved by more wind. Uh, you need you need well, thermal and generation. Also, the compounding problem that's happening right now is that uh, investment dollars aren't going towards thermal generation, right. and mm-hmm. a lot of the peaker plants that we have yep. are extremely old. And so it actually it scares me a little bit because I've been talking about this a lot. Is you know, if you look at wind capacity, yep. it's, I mean, it's just crazy how much wind has been built yep. in Texas. And the problem is, is that um, thermal doesn't have the same incentives to That's invest exactly. those dollars. That's right. But us as citizens, we need that thermal generation. We need dispatchable power. And so this is where it gets super interesting with NatCast and, and turbines. It, for and sure. That's the place where we love. So, you know, we, you know, you look at wind and solar to press wind and solar to press prices over the long run because it's once it's installed it's very no cost of generation mm-hmm. but it doesn't always wind doesn't always blow and doesn't always shine and what that creates is while forward curves and the long-term outlook for prices can be flat or low volatility what happens when the wind isn't blowing the sun isn't shining is that's creating day daily and hourly mm-hmm. wild fluctuations in price yeah and that's where mm-hmm. at a distribution level with our design of both thermal and battery we're able to capture that value, yeah. and that that's that's what's unique. Again, combining where the technology for the generation has has come to this intersection yeah. point, where our you know our backbone is analytics and quantitative analysis on being able to capture those very short periods of of value that are you know like we call it clipping nickels and dimes and dollars, yeah. and yeah. then being able to capture the big the big amounts when we have major mismatches of supply and demand that happen now more frequently yeah mm-hmm. you know it's funny i have this twitter post i wrote out about um this power plant i want to build up my house and it has solar i have a yeah. power wall i have a nat gas generator yeah. as like i have a ford f-150 with battery capacity yeah. lightning and then i've got yeah. my 12 valve cummins just in case yeah. i need something that runs on a diesel <laughs> but um you know what's funny is i used to be a customer of gritty and i actually fucking love gritty but Problem with Gritty's business model is that ninety nine percent of their users didn't actually understand yeah exactly what, what the business model <laughs> yeah. was and that you had exposure to wholesale pricing. Right. But I was always like, if I actually took the time, you know, write a script where it utilizes, yep. hey, we're going to charge up my home batteries, yep. and I'm getting cheap electricity from Gritty, and you know, start using software to yep. make mm-hmm. everything communicate. And so, can we just um, stole your idea? That's all. That's all we. All we did. Yeah, and, we, and we took it to the generation. I need royalties. Man. We downloaded yeah, exactly. all the scripts yeah. so far. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but no, that's what it's super interesting to me, especially yeah. as um, you know, I, I really love the idea of virtual power plants and bi-directional metering on homes. Yep. So like yep. you know, I, I think that this is the future. Is like taking all these distributed yep. assets yeah. and being able to make it all coordinated and communicate with each other. And yep. obviously, there's a lot of barriers and mis- yep. misaligned incentives that have to kind of get through, but um yeah i, I think yeah. that it's a, a yeah, bigger, I bigger th- theme i think too for us uh primarily what we've been focused on so far is, is grid facing applications and that's really where most people think about generation mix and power consumption but what we've seen growing as part of our strategy is that uh even beyond emp most folks are looking for to be power consumers at the local level so any kind of distributed generation that you can build that's reliable uh, that can bridge you to grid connection or provide a long-term source of reliable energy on site. Uh, we're seeing that emerge in you know, beyond EMP and even in the data center space and even mm-hmm. into uh, the midstream space. We're seeing uh, a large application of distributed generation projects become more of a, a integrated strategy with new development for large CNI commercial industrial load on yeah. the electrical grid. Yeah, you know, so, that's why we started the Empower event because that was our thesis was that data centers, um, yep. whether it's 
any any form of high performance computing, whether it's Bitcoin mining or GPUs, it's energy infrastructure. Yeah. I don't know if y'all saw, but last week, uh, Mark Zuckerberg announced that they added John Arnold to their board of Meta because they need to get smarter around energy. Yep. Um, I like to think that what happened was Mark Zuckerberg went to Google and was like, who's smart in energy? Yeah, and and John, our, po- John, our podcast yeah, of John Arnold yeah, John came Arnold, up. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, only, it's only like good public piece yeah. of content with John yeah. Arnold. So, um, Zuck, if you're listening to this, man, <laughs> train jiu-jitsu, yeah, let's go get a roll. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, podcast in a match. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and but that was the whole thesis was like there's all these end users that you know want power on a localized level and um there's just all of these different parties whether it's emps whether it's renewable um operators and so well you um, talk about the ecosystem and that's that's the part where it's so much fun in the space right now is that ecosystem's there but it's not well connected yeah yeah and so you have the end users you have the generation you have all you have all the all the components and the parts but it's not connecting the dots yeah and and that's where we found that we like we really make an impact is like you know again the technology we're using it's not the newest latest and greatest this is all proven technology on this side the quantitative analysis taking some best practices machine learning on how do you how do you optimize it's really in the commercial constructs of finding what the pain points are for these various parties so it's at the utility side it's too takes too long to build out interconnections to meet the fast-paced growth for emps for the emp producer who's flaring or has stranded curtailed stranded or curtailed gas or just uneconomic gas right now yeah they're not incentivized to build out midstream infrastructure yeah so it's how do you connect the dots to give a value proposition that captures value where it's needed where where it's available in the ERCOT market which is lack of generation transmission slow transmission build out emp producers which is we need an outlet for gas where we can get more value that 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 solution that we've created is mm-hmm. our our content we've created it's funny you mentioned the virtual uh, virtual power plant. We mm-hmm. what we offer to EMP producers. We call it the virtual pipeline outlet. You yeah. know, it's for basically giving yep. you capacity in our generation, which gives you higher gas prices. That's funny because that's always what I've said with Bitcoin mining. Yep. As like you're just moving the midstream and downstream portion to yep. on location at the well. That's right. right. Yeah. Um, it's just a digital pipeline, and it has a major impact. It's like the, when you start talking about yeah. large scale transmission, uh, transmission lines, large scale transmission generation, it just takes too long, and it's too capex. You're not you're not economically incentive to do so do so at this at this moment. At the at the distribution side, you're able to transact quickly, you're able to get built quickly, you're able to capture that value at those smaller increments, which again, you're doing it more times over, but you're able to deploy more more capital, more megawatts. Yeah. Try yeah. address the the producer's concerns quicker yeah. than what's any other option that's out there. Um yeah, no, this is you know, I, I had a tweet that was a little bit controversial a while back. No, you, I don't, I don't, I don't, I just don't believe it. I've never seen anything controversial. <laughs> that was a really stupid statement <laughs> by me. But um, essentially what I was talking about was, um, Travis, you'll, you'll appreciate this, but remember back in the day when EMPs were like, oh, we have 40% IRR yeah. in these wells at half, half cycle. Half cycle. Yeah, always have, always half cycle. out all the DNA. <laughs> always half cycle. Yeah. <laughs> and it wasn't intellectually honest, right? Yeah. Like if you're not looking at things from end to end holistically, I was like, the same thing has happened in renewables because what happens is people like to tote that, hey, uh, renewable energy is the cheapest form of energy, but that's only looking at the asset yeah. level. It doesn't look at backup generation, uh, storage, yep. transmissions, th- things of this uh, nature. And what that uh, results in is a higher cost to the end user, which is us as yeah. taxpayers and and um, 
energy users. And what happens is like you have these big Swings. spikes and, and volatility like you're talking yeah. about. And so what's interesting to me about this is it um, essentially, you know, with nat gas generation and, and battery storage, it's this solution to level things out. Right. And mm. um, essentially, you know, bring bring um, flatter, yeah. flatter costs. And, and that again, like again, we're not we're, we're all we're all full in support of of renewable energy as a, as a backbone to the overall energy mix. But the, that the downside of renewable energy and how it's levelized costs once it's built and incentives to do so, it does crowd out. Yeah. Thermal generate. It crowds out dispatchable generation. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, that, the, and that's the, yeah. the incentives aren't the same yeah. or the power generation. And um, my thing too is like I've always said, I'm like, hey, building out wind capacity is good. But yep. the problem has been the um, acceleration or the rate that we're building it out yes. you know, without exactly the same investment dollars going and into thermal because that's where you start to get into these these huge issues. Wild, wild, so, wild swings. And, yeah. and, that, and that's, you know, the, the ERCOT, we'll just focus on ERCOT. We focus on ERCOT primarily. We also look at PJM, mm -hmm. SPP. Okay. But, you know, ERCOT specific, you know, they're trying to get ahead of that. We don't have a capacity market in ERCOT as primarily hap that that's prim primarily managed through ancillary services. Doesn't yeah. provide that that base cash flow you need to justify large scale build. Mm -hmm. uh, but you know, we when they're they're trying to get ahead of that with incentives, so tax incentives that are coming down the pipe and et cetera. But it still doesn't, you know, the, the time to get those projects designed, built, interconnected, and up and running. We're talking multiple years out. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Again, that's where like there's this this open market to, you know, close that gap connect that ecosystem yeah. between the producers, the problems they're facing, the fact that we're grossly, just wildly short dispatchable power. But I mean, it's a that. capitalistic and solution. It's capitalistic, and it's all commercial, not driven yeah. on any tax yeah. incentives. Yeah, and so, and the best solutions always come from capitalism. And, that, and that's what I love about oil and gas and energy. That's, and that's what we love about our model. Like we don't, we don't, we're not, we're not relying on any tax incentives. Yeah. Like yeah. we do have a great tailwind, like the, the methane penalty is coming down the pipe. Yeah. That's something that EMP producers should be taking very seriously yeah. on how to address it. Yeah. You know, it's not being addressed by midstream right yeah. now. There's a kind of a standoff between, you know, EMPs. But, it, but even if you don't, this is the thing though. It, what's crazy is it's not even, oh, methane regulations and penalties are coming. It's like you are literally burning off your product. That's right. yeah. how can you extract more value out yeah. of your product that's right and that's that's the that's the case yeah um, it's, even if it's not a that's right environment or climate thing it's from a pure capitalism exactly. perspective you should be generating yeah. value and there's ways to like technology just, has allowed us to do just that. burning dollars at it yeah. into, into <laughs> there yeah. and so it, it's you know i have i got three emps that hit me up last week alone with that yeah. gas prices where they're at hey what should we be doing with our nat gas on the Bitcoin mining space. Yep. And so like, <laughs> it's funny how low nat gas prices all yeah. of a sudden turning everyone into capitalists and like, what yeah. should we do with this gas? But yeah, yeah flaring, it's like, you don't have to, you don't have to flare. And yeah. so I, I think it's one of the more interesting opportunities in the world right now, because not only is it um, good for the environment and good for, you know, the, the ESG fucking check marks, yep. but it's a good business decision. It's just, it's good yeah, business. it's just commercial. Yeah. It's yeah. just, yeah. So Fair if capital. I'm an EMP, um, let's dive into like the model sure. a little bit of like what the value prop is for an EMP um, working with you guys. So I'm an EMP out in West Texas and I have, you know, 6 million uh, cubic feet of gas a day. Um, and I'm trying to figure out what I want to do with this. Let's say I'm flaring it. Yep. Um, 
how do I engage with you guys? Mm. How do I work with you? And what's the value prop, you know, for me? How am I making money yeah. on on doing this? Sure. Uh, why don't you start? Yeah. Off so pretty straightforward from our side. I think it starts uh, starts really with the 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 highest and best use for the stranded gas. So oftentimes we're seeing that there's uh, an application where we can redeploy stranded gas just to provide baseload power on the site. Mm -hmm. So if that that's a straightforward application, but for six million a day, commonly we're seeing that the amount of that gas being put to work as power generation exceeds their load needs on site. So are you essentially so saying, we, are you essentially saying, hey, look, you're already drawing all of this electricity yep. from the grid. You can put a turbine out here and supply your own electricity. Exactly. I guess. Yes. Okay. So there's that there's that on-site solution. There's something we can do with the gas, putting it to work on-site as baseload generation. But primarily what our business is focused on is what we've been talking about is dispatchable gas being sent into ERCOT is where we're primarily focused. Mm -hmm. And so for the producers, the value prop on uh, finding a new market, new place to send natural gas, especially if it's stranded, if there's no other use for it on site, is if we build generation and we can interconnect to ERCOT relatively quickly at those volumes of gas, there tends to be a much higher availability of a market for gas in power. Yeah. And so we can monetize so it have, in a day ahead basis. Have liquidity for, for the energy. A, a great, great higher value market, better end user for, for natural gas. And we can, because of how flexible and how quickly we can interconnect to grid, there tends to be uh, a, a day ahead basis or a real time basis under which we can settle for power. So it really becomes what we've talked about is a, a flexible solution that looks a lot like a new midstream offtake. You know, I was just thinking, um, sorry to go off on a little bit of a tangent here, but I like to bash on Massachusetts all the time. <laughs> um, you know, just the, the story of Massachusetts is loves natural gas. Um, you know, 60% of their electricity is generated from it, heats over, you know, 60% of their homes. But they import all of their LNG um, from, uh, you know, places like the Caribbean yeah. and mm. um, even Russia sometimes. Yeah. And it's like you won't build pipelines from the most prolific natural gas basin a couple hundred miles away from you. <laughs> but right. they wouldn't have any problem with, you know, EQT, right. you know, generating electricity on location yeah. and then, mm -hmm. you know, tying it into the grid. Um, yep. So it's like you can almost eliminate this whole pipeline and yeah. FERC issue of of needing to build nat gas pipelines by just producing electricity on site and then transmitting the yep. electricity. That's that I mean you're pointing out the closing of the ecosystem, right? Like you can build a uh, you have NIMBY issues on building pipeline, you have capital requirements building pipeline to get to market, you have multiple issues. You also have load use, gas use in those those same areas. It's what's the most efficient way to deploy capital. Yeah. Make a return mm -hmm. to meet the meet meet markets needs. Yeah. Know? Yeah. That's super interesting. Sorry to cut you off. No, I think I, I think the point is more broadly outside of ERCOT, that point is right across people like like yeah. you said, we're looking at PJM, we look at SPP, we're seeing that there's a general need to deploy natural gas in a more profitable way across the United States. Yeah. And We've actually seen a lot of people taking proactive steps to permit plants that are market facing and get at least the initial steps started. But uh, maybe there's a bit of a gap in how to commercialize it, how to work out the contracts, how to know what it's worth uh, on a merchant and a fixed basis in power markets. And so uh, been impressed with the amount of movement there's been just recognizing the fundamentals of what natural gas could be worth yeah. as dispatchable generation in power markets. Yeah. And we're just excited to say, excited to see that we can come in and provide some consulting and some yeah. uh, value add on just understanding what it's worth, but then ultimately taking it to, to yeah. COD. And so, you know, you guys act like a EPC. Um, you mentioned like we'll come in and do the consulting engineering. Uh, you know, if I'm an EMP, 
um, you know, from y'all side, are y'all putting up the capex yep. for generators? Yeah, everything or? we do is off balance sheet. All the capital comes from us. We again, we we design, build, operate, and manage uh, market operations. So okay. it's full turnkey. And you know what we face the the EMP producers again. We're offering them a virtual pipeline. So yeah. if there's capacity in the pipeline, and they get the revenue share from our the participation in the market sales. So yeah. Very easy to understand and yeah. what the value proposition is. You know, going back to your six million a day yeah. equation, you know, that's uh that's 30 megawatts of of value. That's yeah. that's a lot. Yeah, um, for sure. Yeah. Um, no, that's super interesting. You know, that's always where some of the sticking point is, is who puts up the capex yeah. for generation and stuff like that. But you come in and turn Yeah, especially when you're talking about those those half cycle IRRs. Yeah. Like, you know, we, we post, yeah. you know, the, the return's great, but it's yeah, great I mean, if it's on someone else's you know, If you're an EMP, you, know, you want to produce <laughs> you definitely a commodity. Exactly. You want to be focused on extraction. To, yeah, just being able to sell it off is is, is the right. name of the game. And so, yeah, super interesting. Uh, you guys are private equity backed, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So we we uh, were uh, funded by Greyrock uh, Investment Partners, so awesome. we're part of their Energy Transition Fund. Which, you know, talk about the space we raise capital in, saying we're gonna we're planning on deploying thermal energy uh, <laughs> using natural gas as an energy transition. Uh, yeah, we got a, we got a few no's on on <laughs> that as a strategy for the your per plays, but we love working with Greyrock because they saw how you could do something without that's not tax that tax or government su uh, subsidized, yeah. purely commercial, and a clear value proposition to decarbonization. Yeah. You know what's funny though, is I think that narrative's changed. It, uh, it is. Over yeah. the last year. Um, it's funny to kind of see the cycles that we've gone through over the yeah. last four or five years where, um, you know, I actually saw someone put this on Twitter. Um, you put the meme where it's like the guy standing up and like saying some like unpopular opinion. And yeah. he, he put that and he's like, natural gas is the transition fuel. It's the and transition this is from fuel. Like, it's from like a climate guy. <laughs> right. Um, yep. And so that, that, narrative is changing it's like oh shit we actually do need natural gas um there is actually a benefit from it and the biggest benefit of it is that it can be deployed at on a commercial level with no right. subsidies yeah, yeah like, exactly that's great yeah <laughs> so yeah. yeah i think that uh i think that you know the timing is yeah is the, definitely... the, it's nice to see it actually turning to something that's more realistic i you know i hate the one size fits all or there's only one solution it's you know we need we need renewable energy we need dispatchable gas we need it's all the stability. Above. We need all, all of it. Above. Yeah, all for sure. Yeah. So shout out to Gray Rock. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna bash on Gray Rock for a second because I think uh -oh. it's funny. No, it's just funny how private equity, <laughs> Black Rock, Blackstone, Gray Rock. I forget, <laughs> I forget my colors and types of <laughs> sedimentary <laughs> rocks. So, and so, yeah. Always, uh, dude. It's not a podcast if I'm not if I'm not poking fun <laughs> at uh, private equity groups. So, um, do they? Uh, do you know is Granite Ridge a portfolio company? Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. I was supposed to meet with Granite Ridge yesterday while I was up in, in Fort Worth, and um, um, they told me that they were they were backed by Great Rock. So. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's not it's now public public traded company. Grant Granite Ridge is so, uh, but Great Rock still has investment in cool. In it. Yeah, got you, got you. Yeah. I was just I was just yeah. connecting some dots there. So you know, for you guys, um, what's what's the future look like over you know the next 12, 18 months? Where are you guys at in terms of? the life cycle of the company, you know, getting, getting out to market, um, you know, just kind of give me some, yeah. some color. On sure. That. Uh, we're in, we're in, at this point, we're in, we call it super growth mode. So, um, a lot of, you know, getting the venture off the ground is proving up the thesis and seeing, does this actually work? And we're able to quickly demonstrate that what we're doing fits the market. We're able to execute, uh, and now we're at scale, trying to, we're working to scale as fast as we can. Yeah. 
Um, you know, the, the market on the on the power side, ERCOT's going to be short for a long period of time, dispatchable gas, flare, stranded gas, uneconomic gas, or low-priced gas. That's not doesn't have an easy solution. That market is attractive. We're trying to partners with as many EMPs as we can to give them a better outlet for their gas. Yeah, that's right. Um, we're, we've been focused primarily on ERCOT. We're about to move into PJM. Yeah, uh, we you know it's a different scenario there. It's not flaring, but curtailment. Yeah, uh, low low economic prices there, but they're short more power. Yeah, um, and we'll be expanding that area. Uh, so it's really a matter of uh, you know continue to execute, continue to penetrate, um, and trying to find uh, producers that are have this dilemma of getting cool. more value for their gas. So with that, you know, on an ending note, if uh, EMPs are listening and they want to talk to you guys and potentially work with you, where can they find you? So uh, our, our website, uh, www.conduitpower.co. Uh, you can also reach out to Ben or myself, uh, B. Cool. Foley, at conduitpower.co, and mm. T. Winholtz at conduitpower.co. I'm giving out the email addresses. Oh, come, come bring it. Yeah, bring, like, it. Bring, all, bring all the bring spam. It, bring it. No, we, <laughs> well, uh, so we'll drop links to conduitpower.co and to y'all's LinkedIn. So, yeah, if you're at an EMP and you want to talk to these guys, um, you know, it's definitely interesting, interesting stuff. And I'm glad that y'all got to make it on the show. Yeah, it's, I uh, really appreciate you yeah. having us on. Yeah, it's yeah, been I'm a, having enjoyed you a pleasure. And, uh, and so happy for you, so man. This is so great to see, like, how, how yeah, well I appreciate it's it. awesome. Yeah, no, it's, it's awesome. It's fun to see other people building, yeah. too, and, and see the success. So I'm glad yeah. uh, glad to be a part of it's it. It's been a lot of fun. It's been long for the ride. So if you guys like this episode, um, please share it with a friend, share it on LinkedIn, share it on Twitter, send it by email. I don't give a damn how you share it. Just share it. We will catch you on the next episode. Awesome. Thanks. Come, 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 come.